to the Writer Dojo. Your host, Steve Diamond. Buenos dias. And Mary Korea. Always bet on black. Today's episode, Developing Thicker Skin. Welcome back to the Writer Dojo, everybody. Uh, Larry and I are super stoked to have you with us today. Uh, in our previous episode, we were talking a little bit about, uh, we were doing some Q&A, and there were a couple questions that started leading you and I down a path. And I want to explore that in this episode. And that's the idea of developing thick skin. It's, I, I hate to belabor the point, but this is super important. And I think everybody can really, really use with a little dose of having a little bit of thick skin, um, maybe some humility, also knowing when to stand up for yourself. But one, um, how to comport yourself, whether as as an actual author or when you're involved in, say, writing groups or uh, online, like online Facebook groups. Well, this is going to be kind of fun, too, because I'm I'm definitely the outlier and, uh, you have rhino skin, dude. Yeah, I I, I, uh, I I I like being the guy upon the wall taking the slings and arrows. I volunteer for that crap. Also, but the opportunity to talk about how you comport yourself. Crab clan. Yeah, crab clan. Hell yeah. <laughs> Sorry. L5R, guys. Um, I'm crab clan to the core. <laughs> but um, there's also how you comport yourself thing. Um, you know, there's there's variations in that. and mm-hmm. But you need to be thoughtful about it. We'll talk about that a little bit, too. So... Part of the reason, uh, apart from the, some of the Q and A that led us this way, there is also uh, someone in our in our in the Writer Dojo Facebook group. Which, if you haven't joined the Writer Dojo Facebook group, we highly recommend you do so. There is a list of people and their expertises. Exper- expertise is that the highest expertise? Say I expertise think? and their expertise, whatever, and their varying levels of expertise. How. Uh, there's a whole post on this. There are, we have some. We just have this super wide, awesome variety of experts, and who have made themselves available. Um, people are posting, posting, asking for advice regularly. It's awesome. But we had a couple people who got butthurt over oddly innocuous things. It's just interesting because we have a group of people that are professional writers or aspiring professional writers and you would think a group like that would have a lot of difference of opinion right you right. hope so and you know if you think you have a group like that and you come in and you think that your opinion is the be-all end-all of the entire universe and anybody who disagrees with you is, is Hitler it's a it's a hate crime yeah and you need to come crying to Larry and Steve to save you yeah we don't care we don't care and I think I I think I, I think we when the first but like super butt hurt when we got uh, with a big flounce, I was just like, I don't care. I'm not your dad. I mean, our only rule is just don't be a complete walnut. You know, you can't just go around attacking people. But if you state an idea and you stake out this is your, your idea, and it, let's say it's a controversial idea. Mm-hmm. It might even be offensive to some people, but it's your position. Of course, other adult professional writers are going to take issue with that, and some of them are going to disagree with you. Yeah. And at that point, you're grown-ups. It's up to you to defend your ideas. So it's actually kind of shocking how how sensitive so many writers are. Well, and the funny thing about these particular ones, when when the when the individuals, I think there's two of them, when they kind of flounced away, they did so talking about how 
um, how angry and how horrible and how combative and terrible everyone was and how they treat him like crap. And I went back and I read some of those things and it, it was kind of like that, that Billy Madison quote. It was like, at no point in any time during this discuss during this, during your answer, did you, uh, did you construct anything that resembled rational thought? <laughs> it was something like that. I'm like, may God have mercy on yeah, our souls. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your souls. Uh, there wasn't actually anything crazy. Yeah, one guy even lied about it. And he's like, oh, that's because they edited out the offensive things they said. And no, guys, you realize that like Facebook admins can see the edit history of all the posts, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it didn't happen. My point here, Larry, is if you want to be a professional author, at some point down the line – you are going to have your ideas challenged. Yeah. And that's good. That's good. Actually, having your ideas challenged is good. And when people challenge your ideas, that's not a hate crime. No, sometimes it's just like people think differently. Weird. Sometimes sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes there's not really even a question of right or wrong. It's just a matter of opinion. Like we're talking about an artistic endeavor. And we've said early on in the show – that there's no such thing as really rules in writing. And anybody who invokes rules of writing, inevitably the first thing you do is you start finding all the exceptions to each one of those rules and how they're just, they're not really a rule. It's a suggestion. So of course, when people start throwing out their rules of writing and you need to do this, you need to do this, people are going to take exception with that, especially if in their own careers, they violate those things routinely and are successful despite it. So... We were getting these writers, they were like, this is how you have to do it. And other writers were like, no, I don't do it that way. How dare you? <laughs> I'm offended. I'm offended. And then you come to me and Steve and and, and Jack and, and the moderators. And we gather. Bless our mod souls. Oh, man, we're just like, dude, you are, you are in the wrong writer group. Now, here's the thing that we've talked about writer groups before. And one of the reasons we started this one was there's other writer groups, though, that they basically become useless because of this exact behavior. Because someone will have a controversial idea or someone will have a controversial question and they'll throw it out there and you get these people who are immediately butt hurt and they will cry to the mods about civility and tone. Yeah. And it's a thought terminating cliche. It's it's interesting. One of the very first ones that I went into, um, I'd shown up. I showed up. It, it was actually in Brandon Sanderson's class. Um I showed up. I wasn't even. I think I'd already graduated at this point. I just showed up because I knew Brandon and he and I were friends. And I showed up to class, and he's like, "Hey, does uh, anyone want Steve in their writing group?" I go to this one group, um, and that group changed uh, pretty drastically, pretty quickly, because I was in the writing group, and the whole idea is, you know, you would read a chapter or whatever, and and make commentary on it. Well, I read as people were commenting on some of the other stuff, I happened to just be reading one of the guy's things and within real short order. I mean, it probably took me 10 minutes to read five chapters of this guy's work. They were like James Patterson chapters. Oh, wow. And and they were so high. I still remember this to this day. They were so high level. Like it was basically a glorified um, bullet point summary. And so I just said this. I just said, okay, well, here's what I think. I think that um, there's not near enough detail in here. I'm like, you have five chapters here spanning like five pages. He said, this should be 50 pages, easy. 
and, and so I just kind of broke it through and I'm like, Mike, I think your idea is kind of interesting here. I said, but, but you don't explore it in any way. Like I, I can't even, I don't even know what's happening anymore. Um, and the guy just, to his credit, the, the guy just kind of nodded his head and sm- and just kind of nodded his, his head and, and just dealt with it and just took it, but he never came back. Yep. Later on, different writer group, um, same class, different semester. Um, this was the class that had, uh, had Brian McClellan in it, um, and, uh, and Chris Husberg, both of which are published authors. There was another guy in the group, in one of our groups, who it was really interesting. Every time that we would suggest something to him, he would immediately, I mean, he would interrupt us before we had finished our thought, and he would start defending everything that he was doing and telling us that we just didn't understand his work. That's not healthy, because like you said, Larry, what's the first thing that you as the person doing the critiquing do? At a certain point, you just stop. It's like, I... I'm just, I just don't care anymore. Yeah, especially if you're in a situation where you invite in criticism, you can't be upset when you get criticism. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean your critics are right. That guy might be brilliant. He might have been so far above you, Steve. Maybe he was. Maybe he was. He wasn't. He wasn't, yeah. (laughs) They they never are. (laughs) But here's the thing. Sometimes critiques are wrong, but that's okay. If you're willing to put your stuff out there, you need to be humble and analytical enough to weigh everything to see if there are elements of truth there. If you go through life thinking that your poop don't stink, all right, and and you are perfect and you can't improve, you're going to be a pretty crappy writer or a pretty stagnant writer. Yep. The the thing that I always like to tell people is, look, you just have to assume that you can get better. Um, I mean, we talk about this all the time. There, there's the people who get three minutes of knowledge and suddenly think they're experts, right? Oh, yeah. All the time. Not and just this industry, but that's not, I epidemic. mean, this is literally everything. Yeah. And then five seconds later, once they realize, oh, wait, they get a little bit of education and suddenly they go, oh, oh, now I get it. I really think the Dunning-Kruger graph is is profound. Yeah, it really is. In that in that you get the people who don't know what you don't know and you start out and you learn a little bit and you think you know everything and then the more you learn you realize, oh well this is actually complicated. Writing is definitely one of those things. Even though I've been doing this twelve years, I think I'm kind of in like the low hump, you know. <laughs> Dude, I'm in free fall at the moment still. I'm still I'm 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 just waiting to hit the bottom with a smack. You learn you learn a lot of stuff as you go, guys. And if you if you actually apply the lessons, you can become a better author. That's the key. Um, but that said, be analytical and honest enough to recognize that sometimes the advice is bad. This is this goes beyond just the writing advice, too. This is just like agreements over writing. Yeah. The one that makes me laugh is when you get a bunch of writers and they'll disagree over somebody's work. Mm-hmm. And usually a classic work. <clears throat> It'll be like, oh, another one we saw uh, in the in the writer dojo. It was like, it was like I would, we had uh, caused one guy to flounce. It was because was somebody Tolkien thing. Yeah, because somebody didn't like Tolkien, and, and and so that just caused. No, the mature writers who disagreed were just like, man, this other person's a dork. I just don't want to listen to him, and they just hit blocked and move on with life. Or, or we just go, well, I mean, some people don't like Tolkien. Yeah, well, it's me. I like to fight, and so I'll fight. But I actually, I'm not a big Tolkien guy, so I don't care. I mean, I like Tolkien, but I'm not a Tolkien purist. I don't. I don't. No. Get, I'm not religious about it. No. Um, so I don't, 
No, if they talk trash about Louis Lamar, I'll punch him in the mouth. Yeah, we're done. Yeah, we're done. If they talk trash about Robert E. Howard, I will. Oh, we're really done. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll cut you. Oh, I'll yeah. fight you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Actually, I did one time in another group. I had somebody get super butthurt about uh, Robert E. Howard because his attitudes were very racist. Well, he was a. I mean, he grew up around Civil War veterans in Texas, and in, in the you know in the early 1900s. Well, I think, and 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 again, and, and this is topical here. This is relational. We're not just going off on a tangent, I promise. Pinky swear. No, this is actually pertinent. Um, when I was at Gen Con, one of the first I end up I end up talking a lot about horror, shockingly, at all of these cons. And inevitably we get to the topic of Lovecraft or cosmic horror. Mm-hmm. Uh the, the you know, in, in the the basic instincts that that people tend to fear, which is what Lovecraft preyed on the most, right? Yeah. Uh and and especially if you also happen to be a big fan of Robert E. Howard, Lovecraft is, in, is inevitable in that conversation because those two were, were bros and yeah. they were peers. Um, in fact, most people say that besides Lovecraft, Robert E. Howard was the best Lovecraftian author. Oh, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, so if you start your conversation with... Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, Lovecraft. Um, well, look, the very first thing I need to talk about with Lovecraft is that I think he was a terrible, horrible racist. And da, 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 da. You, no, you don't. You need, need to, to toughen start. your mind. You need yeah. to toughen your toughen skin. your mind. You need to toughen your ability. Is anyone going to deny that Lovecraft was racist? No. He was. Yeah. But, but so was so was like 103% of the population at that time. Yeah, I'm. I, for one, am shocked. That early 1900s New Englander felt smugly superior to others. Shocker! This is incomprehensible, and I can't, I can't for, I can't imagine a smug uh, New Englander today thinking themselves to be superior to others. <laughs> Anybody who's listening to this podcast and you're like in uh, anywhere in the New England area, or you know, you went to college in Boston. Surely you too can appreciate that a New Englander would never, yeah, no one would ever be superior and judgmental to others. No freaking way. So when we talk about thick skin, Larry, we're not just talking about like having your feelings hurt. It also means having. It's also a level of emotional maturity to it, recognize that it's that, being not good. emotionally fragile. Yeah, for sure. Because if you're fragile. You can't process conflicting information in your brain without cracking. Yeah. There, there's so much to be said in the writing industry about toughening yourself. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit more about this and kind of go into the, the ins and the outs of why you should toughen your skin, toughen your emotions, and toughen your brain. Toughen your brain. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and the benefits of that. We'll be right back. In Agent Omega's scientific worldview, certain things were impossible. And the claim of this tall, imposing alien calling herself Myclestra, that she came from another universe, was impossible. Worse yet, Myclestra claimed to be a bounty hunter tracking evil, a shape-shifting perpetrator wielding real-world-shattering magic, wizardry that could destroy a world or a galaxy. But for all that, was the gigantic sword on her back that was the true threat to everything Echo and Omega held dear. A five-foot-long blade crowned with a hilt of fabulous gems and precious metals. A sword literally haunted by a spirit that could end galactic civilization. Division 1, Book 14, The Bounty Game, is available in Nook, 
Kindle, and trade paperback wherever fine books are sold. Pick up your copy today. Welcome back. Glad to have you back with us. In the break, Larry and I just yelled at each other. It, we, we just call it weight training for toughening our skin, you know. Um, I only cried a little bit, so I'm doing better, guys. Yeah, I like to be emotionally abusive every break. You guys, you guys don't see. I seem like such a happy guy, but that's just that's just me covering for the 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 domestic abuse that I suffer from, Larry. <laughs> um, it'll be better next time, baby. I swear. So, especially the trailer park husband of writing. <laughs> <laughs> so, give me a beer, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Only if it's root beer. Uh, all right. What I think we want to continue talking about is the idea that from from the different levels, like from from your your emotional level and your intellectual level, you know, emotions and your brain, um, toughening yourself up. But the question I want to ask is, why is this important, Larry? Well, this is a business that thrives on beating the heck out of you. Yeah. Rejection is everywhere. Failure is constant. The challenges are primarily in your own head. Most writers who fail, uh, they fail themselves. They don't get failed by the system. They don't get failed by their audience. They get failed by themselves. What we do is really hard. Um, it's a job that's mostly in your own brain. So you spend a lot of hours, just you and your brain processing information. You also have to convince yourself that you're good enough to do this. Uh, authors constantly suffer from all you always have the jokes about imposter syndrome. Hey man, I've been very, very open on this podcast Yeah, that I'm right there. It's common. And all, no matter how good you are, you have to do this every day. And it doesn't matter how successful you are because prior success is no guarantee of future success. That's right. And just because you were, you were clever and funny and wrote a really good book yesterday doesn't mean that you're going to do it today. And so every day authors have that doubt. Yeah. Uh, we have self-doubt. We have, we have just like this, these little fragile things that pick at us. Authors are notorious for being screwed up for a reason. And a lot of authors fall into this trap where we're just basket cases. But if you're a basket case, I hate to tell it to you guys. It's not like, uh, you know, the old days where they would romanticize this kind of stuff. Well, some people still try to, but it's crap. Yeah, actually you do. It's, and it's, it's dangerous because you see writers all the time and they'll go to, they'll go to cons and they'll talk about how they suffer for their art and all this crap. Or you'll have the authors, you know, like, like they'll, they always joke about the various, you know, suicidal artists and the substance abuse artists. And there's this whole thing about the, you need the tortured soul to make art. That is the biggest lie that has no. ever been sold to a group of people. You know, you know, when, you know, when I create the best stuff, when you're happy, when I'm happy and I'm excited. Exactly. Exactly. Don't guys fall into this trap that you need to be emotionally damaged to create great art. It is utter crap. Emotionally damaged people usually create emotionally damaged art, and then their career falls apart because you can't function as a human being by wallowing in self-pity. Well, or, or I hate to even take it a step further, but sometimes they just don't live long enough. No, authors authors do some really self-destructive things. Yeah. Uh, we know a lot of guys that are all sorts of screwed up with, with like severe problems that they should go get professional help with mm-hmm. substance abuse issues, yep. emotional issues, uh, family issues, uh, divorce. D- 
dude, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, there's so many authors out there that are train wrecks. Guys don't fall into that stuff. Once it, we, me and Steve always talk about this, like treat it as a job. We're serious. Treat it as a job, but don't treat it like, like you're not a TV homicide detective. <laughs> we say treat it as a job. Okay. You know, you're not going to drink yourself to death. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, not that part. With the feeling that you can't let go. I mean. You know, no, toughen your toughen yourself up. <laughs> I know we're going to, we can't help it. We just won't constantly hum the Bosch themes. Mm. And this pro, on this podcast, Bosch can do no wrong. Oh. But you, you see what I'm saying, right? It's it's all about mental balance and toughness and being able to take the criticism and to take the failure and to take the mistakes and just move on. It's it's interesting, Larry. I mean, like I said before, I've I often have that that feeling of of imposter syndrome, and in feeling like, man, it, can I do this? Now, fortunately, I have uh, a very very awesome family, and I have awesome friends, and I have people who I trust who who will, you know, occasionally like put their hands on my shoulders and be like, bro. You're actually kind of good at this. Stop being a doofus. You've developed a support network. I have. That and that's important. Valuable. And that's important because guys look, as tough as as tough as you think you can make yourself, um, the vast majority of you are not uh you're not impervious. Well, yeah, even um like I like I said I'm kind of legend cuz I will pick fights with the worst people in the universe. Dude, I've I've seen you at, in in not great places. Exactly. Even me, and I, I like I said I'm kind of legendary for yeah. for like I will take the worst things possible and just go ahead but them, you mm-hmm. know, because I am not a subtle I am not a subtle man. No one's ever accused you of that. No one has ever accused me of subtlety. And also, here's the thing too: is like no one ever. Only uh, I said the dumbest people accuse me of dishonesty because everybody else knows I'm probably like the most honest person you'll ever find. But like, so honestly to speaking, a fault. to a fault, so yeah, to a fault, <laughs> but honestly speaking, here's the thing. Yeah. Even me, like as, as I've been successful and I've worked hard, but I've had many times where this business, like I said, you're in your head and when you're in your head, uh, the failures are magnified a thousandfold because yeah. they linger with you every day that you don't produce what you feel you should produce. It beats you up. Yeah. When you make a mistake and you have to go back and you have to delete 6,000 words, you know, it's like, damn it, I just ruined two days worth of work. Yeah. Because I was stupid. What a failure I am, you know? And and so even even the hardest writers, even the writers that are like rhino tough, still run into this. So if you get guys that are like the fragile or, or even if they're average, like people just wired average or they're wired soft – Man, this business can be hard. And if you are one of those guys that's wired soft, you are a gentle soul, be really careful. So if you're getting feedback and criticism and that kind of thing and you're a gentle soul, don't read your reviews. Don't. Don't. I do. I happen to read all my reviews. Yeah. And I know you. I know you read some of your reviews. (laughs) I I specifically seek out the bad ones. Yeah. (laughs) Now, you do it for kicks. Um, I actually read through them to see if... When it comes to reviews, they, they don't actually bother me that much. That's one of the areas where I'm just kind of, I just kind of shrug my shoulders, probably yeah. because I was a reviewer. But well, you actually have a better understanding of reviewing than the vast majority of authors. Yeah. It, it's pretty easy to see 
if a review is being um, is is being written in good faith. Is it legit or is it vindictive? Yeah. If it's vindictive, I just move on. Yeah, because you know what it is. I had a, I had a hilarious one that Mike Cooper forwarded me for Dead Six today. It was a three star review. Oh. And the whole review is just whining about like this awful hyper masculine, violent anti hero. You know, blah, blah. Anti-hero. Yeah, which is interesting. That's and just, weird. I know the whole thing was like just disgusted by how like there's all these violent men doing violent things in this violent world and it's so awful. Uh, which is funny because everybody who's like a, a, a like a vet has read this series like, oh, yeah, I love these guys, you know. <laughs> but then the rest of the view is like, but, but the authors are very, very good. And they drag you along. And they even like they got to the end, they kind of wanted to read the second one. Dude. I wonder if this is the same person, because we got a review on Servants that sounded just like that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Might be the same. I wonder if it's the same person. It could be. Which, here's the thing, that review tells you a lot more about the reviewer yeah. than it does the book they're reviewing. But, you know, like, look, you're, you're going to get reviews of your stuff, whether we're talking about short stories or you're talking about novels or whatever. You're going to get reviews. And in those reviews, sometimes they're going to be awesome. Sometimes they're just going to be giving you high fives up and down, yeah. basically like you know, like we've been getting on Servants of War. Yeah, our reviews on those are spectacular. It's ridiculous. But then you'll get the ones where it's the obvious trolls. Yep. Those don't matter. Or they just hate you. Yeah. And they just want to hurt you because they think, they think that this can hurt you, so they do it. And, 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 and it can. It can, if you let it. Yes. So I've told this story on the show before, but one time I was on a panel – with this author who was on top of the world. And this is several years ago. So I was still earlier in my career. I was pretty successful, but earlier in my career. So this guy had me whooped by an order of magnitude of success. He had a movie coming out. Uh, he was on top of the world, multiple bestsellers. Uh, everybody was really excited for his movie. I'll tell Steve who it is after the break. Yeah. Um, and he had just gone on a like three-week book tour that they sent him all over America, had oh. huge crowds. I think I know who this is. He's feeling on top of the world. And you know what he did right before the con? He read his reviews on Amazon. And even though he had just spent three weeks on the road with getting adulation by hundreds and hundreds of fans and all this positive feedback, and he's making piles of money, he reads these reviews about what a piece of crap he is and how stupid he is and what a failure. And this book is so dumb and everything sucks and only a loser would write such a piece of crap book. And he let it get to him. Oh, that's too bad. So I'm sitting on this panel with this guy, and he's talking. He's bummed. He's broken hearted. I was like, man, I was like, look at him. I was like, I was like, how many books have you sold this year? I was like, truly, just you, know, me, and you. Like, like, how many books have you sold so far this year? And this is like eight months into the year. And he's like, oh, like six hundred thousand. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I'd murder no, for that. Now, keep in mind, guys, he's he, these were hardcovers too. So this guy is, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'd murder, I'd murder for that, man. I don't know if that was, that was all titles, but here's the thing. So this guy is making this guy by the end of the year is going to clear a million bucks that year, right? Well, just and, just basic math royalties says yeah. that's one point eight million. Yeah, he's going to do pretty good, all right. And so I'm like, dude, who gives a crap? Yeah, I was like, think about it. who gives a crap. And it's funny thing. So I, people try to tear me down all the time because I make myself a target. Yeah. Um, I, I tend to be that guy that says the stuff that so many other writers want to say but can't. Yeah, and so I do that on purpose. Or shouldn't. <laughs> uh, I come from a background where there's nothing that these little scumbags on the internet can do to me that I haven't had done to me as a kid. So there's like I'm 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 immune, right? Yeah. They're 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 too weak 
They can't get through my armor class. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I do this stuff, and it's so interesting to see because they always try to hurt you with the same kind of things. And they do the I see them do this stuff to me, and I actually it's funny because I've done this so much. I have scripts. I have if A then B, if B then C. I know exactly what they're going to do, and I know what they're going to say before they do it because I've dealt with literally thousands of these people. Because yeah. there are thousands of these people, and they come after me because they hate me. But they will come after anybody who shows weakness. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So even if you are one of those fragile, soft writers, like this guy I'm talking about, he's never hurt anybody. He was a nice guy. He was a soft guy, right? He never said an unkind word. He wasn't political. He wasn't opinionated. But if he showed weakness, horrible people are like sharks. Steve hates sharks. It's blood in the water. They sense the blood in the water. They can smell the blood in the water from a thousand miles away, and they will come swimming to eat you. So writers, when you're out there, you're conducting yourself. This is one thing I've said. Don't show weakness. You can show honesty. Yeah, don't swim with sharks. As Maurice warned you, don't yes, swim, don't with, swim sharks. with sharks. What are you thinking, man? Yeah, I know. Yeah, but seriously, I, I see too many writers, they wear their hearts on their sleeves. Well, they think that, again, I think that there is that there is that romanticism that's come with artists, right? And that it's okay to be emotional. And, and it is okay to be emotional. It is okay to show your emotion. But you also have to know to stick up for yourself. Yep. And you also have to realize that just because, just like, just like with beta readers, if all of your beta readers, and again, this is another area where you have to have thick skin. When you're getting constant feedback on a draft, and if one person doesn't like it, who cares? If everybody doesn't like a, a certain thing. Yeah. Take a look. The idea is, the thought process shouldn't be, well, damn, I suck. No, the thought process should be, okay, why? Yeah, where did I mm-hmm. go astray and how can I fix it and get back on track? So... I think the biggest when it, when it comes to hardening yourself, your skin, your 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 emotion, so to speak, your um, your mental attitude. I I like to tell people to remove emotion from the equation. Be analytical. Be channel your inner serial killer. <laughs> I will not call people it. <laughs> exactly. There's uh actually this brings up an interesting thing uh, about being analytical. One trap that I've noticed with authors is if they belong to some particular group that may be considered a victimized or put upon group, and then they get attacked, it goes to, well, you're only attacking me because I am demographic X. Well, here's the kicker. The second that you do that, you will attract the sharks. A lot of times the criticism you're getting has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that you are in demographic X. But by wearing that on your sleeve that you are sensitive to that, the second you retreat behind that is blood all over the water. You are throwing, you're throwing pot roasts. You're throwing chopped up seals in the water. And the sharks will come from a million miles away to eat you. So don't do that. And so a lot of times like people are like, well, you're only, you hate me because I'm a woman. You know? Like, no, no. I just think that your characters suck. Yeah. Or... If you say, well, this has, you know, I'm going to give this book a bad review because, like, oh, well, you only hate me because of, because I'm, I'm, I'm Jewish. It's like, or, or maybe. You're Jewish? It's like, or maybe your, <laughs> or maybe your plot was wrong. Yeah. Don't fall into the identity trap because we have a whole giant chunk of our society that thrives on identity traps because that's how they get off. That's their, yeah. that's where they get all their social credit and social clout. So it's all about manipulating that. 
And so if you do happen to fit into any particular group, you know, unless they are specifically coming at you to attack you for that thing, that's the thing, because once you do show sensitivity to that, you will actually attract those people that hate that and they will come. That's one reason I get attacked so much is because I wear this on my sleeve. It's like, hey, I'm I'm like the openly, you know, gun nut, right wing, libertarian, whatever, you know, and because I wear that sleeve. So everybody who hates that stuff, they come from a million miles around. One of the things that I found and and this has worked for me thus far. Doesn't mean it always will. I've you I mean you've known me for a long time now. Yeah. And and generally I'm a pretty chill guy. And I'm pretty much a I can get along with anybody kind of guy as long as you don't like insult my family or my friends like we're going to be cool. Um or you know you're not like a rapist or something, just saying. Uh Larry knows that reference. Yeah, I do. So, <laughs> I, it's not that, it's not that I like, like hardcore defend myself with these things. I just tell people, I'm just very open up front and, and I just tell people oftentimes, I'm like, yeah, I don't, your, your politics don't matter to me. I actually care about if you're a decent human first. Yeah. If well, you're then... a decent human... And, and you and I can have, sit down and have, actually have a conversation about anything, then we're cool. Yep. Like, I don't care otherwise. And oddly enough, that is, that has made it so that there are quite a few people who would normally be very, very aggressive in terms of attacking me for who I am, for my religion, for, you know, for, for my politics. Um, they just don't, mm-hmm. at least not publicly. Um, it's, 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 it's interesting. Like, like I'm not attacking people, but I'm not showing weakness either. Yeah. You're being assertive. Yeah. Uh, without being prideful. Yeah. You are defending yourself. I'm dude, I'm the best at not being prideful. Yeah. Well, you're defending yourself without being a douchebag to specifically provoke it. No. And you're not waving a victim flag. No. And, and look, I'm, I'm that guy that would have poisoned you in your sleep. Yeah. I'm much more subtle. I was on a panel. I was on a panel at Gen Con like this where I knew exactly who I was on panel with. <laughs> Horrible people. And I murdered the ever-living the ever living crap out of this dude with kindness on a panel. It was wonderful. Uh, was that the dude that tried to fight me at Spaghetti Factory? No, no. Oh, different No, no. Okay. This was the person who, who, oh. who said mean things about Tony. Oh, that dork. Okay. Yeah. Guys, we're almost out of time, but yeah. here's the thing. If you are... A douchebag, people will know. It oh, comes yeah. through in your countenance. Uh, and if, if you if you aren't, and if you're you want to be a happy warrior, do it. Yeah. If you are soft, get harder. If you are sensitive, be aware. Guys, just go out and 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 just know that the world is out to get you, and that doesn't matter. No. You can overcome. The sharks can only eat you if you get in the water with them. It doesn't have to be about sharks. We just ran with sharks again this episode. I'm man. sorry, man. It's what happens when I have a co-author with a phobia. But no, I think that last <laughs> part is is the good thing, and that's and that's uh, just don't swim with them. Yep. You know what I mean, metaphorically speaking. Or if you are gonna swim with them, do like me and just jump in with a great big spear gun. Yeah. So. Because. Yeah. 
Shark is Suppo- delicious. Supposedly, they're more afraid of you than you are of them, supposedly. That is actually true. <laughs> I don't know that I believe it. So uh, I think that's a lie. Shark Side of the Moon says I'm right. <laughs> that best title ever. So, all right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode where we talked about thickening your skin um, in, in developing that, that mental fortitude, that mental toughness. Because, guys, this is a hard business. And even if, I mean, we're talking from, from early on, from, from getting rejections, and it's important to get rejections. It's important to build up that, that durability to them all the way through being a super polished, published author. People are always going to attack you. Do you realize now that, like, uh, this is going to sound trite, but I say this, I think people on the internet think I'm exaggerating, but I literally forget the names of people who have attacked me. Like, I don't remember them 30 seconds after I'm done with them because there's been so many, it's just irrelevant. I forget about events that I've, like, I've been kicked out of and, like, things that, like, people have done to, like, harm me. Like, they've gone out of their way to try to, like, hurt this guy. I forget about them. Like, like kind of immediately because it's just it's one of those things you've seen it so many times it's like eh it's like water on a duck yeah. just rolls right off, right off your back and I'll, every now and then I'll like two years later I'll see the memory pop up on Facebook and I was like oh yeah that's right I got banned from something yeah. <laughs> you know and so this stuff only has power over your psyche if you allow it to that's right alright with that we're going to be done for this episode thank you so much for joining us And uh, look, we love y'all. Thank you so much for your support. And we'll see you on the next one. Writer Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Correa. Produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries by Craig Nivo. New episodes come out every Wednesday, wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writer dojo by leaving a five-star rating and review and by helping to spread the word to advertise on the writer dojo email ads at writerdojo.com. all questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. the air is made of fire oh my gosh